Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs with uh, Dave Cruz from uh, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Dave, of course, and today we have Kate Drain with us, and Kate is the Senior Director of Outreach for Tech and Hardware at Indiegogo. So most of you probably know what Indiegogo is, which is a crowdfunding platform for many different types of pro projects, some of which we'll talk about today. And Kate is also uh, embedded in the entrepreneurial community down in Chicago, and she has her own company which is pretty cool. So she definitely stays busy, and I'm excited to learn more about Indiegogo and Kate. So, uh, Kate, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And just to let everyone know, Kate deserves uh, lots of accolades because we actually did this interview before this week, and somehow it never recorded. So it's the first one ever. And uh, so, uh, but Kate's been really nice, and she's like, "Oh, we can just do it again." I'm like, "Oh, all right." So that was so. This is the second time through. So hopefully, I'm a little wiser, but it could also mean <laughs> maybe I'm not. So, um, so let's. I, I like. I have high hopes. We're gonna have a good conversation. <laughs> yes, the last one. Just to let everyone know, somebody, uh, uh, Kate had a, a delivery to her uh, office, and so she had to take care of that in the middle. So. I'm hoping that happens again. Um, so, but uh, anyways. You can uh, hear the dog. Yes, exactly. I <laughs> hear the dog. <laughs> so uh, first, let's uh, jump into your background, Kate, and tell us a little bit more about um, you know, where you came from and then the company that you uh, started, the Canvan. Definitely. So I grew up here in the Midwest. I grew up in Rock Falls, Illinois and went to Butler University in Indianapolis and moved to Chicago after I graduated and was there for a few years before getting laid off in um, 2009, like so many people did, which then opened up a window and the door for me to move to San Francisco and go to grad school. So I got my MBA in, in sustainable management from Presidio Graduate School in San Francisco and when I was there, I met my four co-founders for the Canvan, which is the world's first mobile beer canning service. So what we came up with in grad school was the idea where we noticed that small to mid-sized breweries were oftentimes not having the opportunity to package, uh, have consumer-facing packaging because of space labor and, and, and time constraints as well as money constraints. And so we saw that there was this opportunity for them to, what if we had one canning line and it served a lot of different breweries and we came up with the Canvan. And so like many small businesses, it's very hard to raise money to start a business and also to get your name out there. And we had just heard about this thing called Indiegogo, this service called Indiegogo back in 2011. And we launched an Indiegogo campaign uh, and we were asking for $10,000. We ended up receiving $4,000 of a $10,000 goal, which was huge for us as entrepreneurs. And we also got featured in Fast Company four months before we were operational as well as we, our largest investor found us, and she only invests in alcohol businesses owned by women, and we fit that very unique niche. And so we were able to start canning a few months later, and since then we've been up and canning for I think now almost four years, four years, and have canned uh, over five million cans. So. 
that was how I got introduced to Indiegogo when I was looking for a job in the spring of 2012. Uh, I met with somebody from the Indiegogo team who I knew through our campaign, and I, I asked her if she knew of any opportunities, and she's like, actually, you sound perfect for a job at Indiegogo. So I started with them. I've been with Indiegogo for almost four years. Indiegogo is the world's largest crowdfunding platform that empowers entrepreneurs to take their ideas to market. Uh, I was first in San Francisco. I moved back to Chicago about a year ago. Uh, I, I pitched the idea to Indiegogo that there was an opportunity for us to better serve the middle of the country and Midwest entrepreneurs, and they made it possible. So I'm really happy to be here. I'm really happy to, to talk with you guys and, and hopefully give, give some good knowledge during this talk today. Hey. Thanks, Kate. That was a, a nice intro. And I'm curious about the can van. So that that's approximately about 60 million ounces you've probably filled, which is, that's a lot. <laughs> so, so it's a lot, it's a lot of ounces and, and it's a lot of great cans, which is like, just to think that often, like most of those, those, that product wouldn't be able to get to a consumer. Um, and it, it just opens up a lot of opportunities, which is cool. What What's the average size run that you'd, that you do um so typically it's about 100 cases okay i think that's our our that's about a day's work and 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 how are the cans because I, I used to uh run a small beverage company so i, but I was curious how oh, you yeah? source, i was curious how you source the cans um because so, you know usually it's a large run are, are they wrapped or yeah, so that's that's an interesting question, and, and that's one of the reasons why we actually went into business. So for people who don't know, anytime we we work with Ball, and yeah. we we get the minimum order, which is ten thousand cans, and that's well more than any any small brewery would need in a small amount of time. So you have to be able to store those ten thousand cans, and so we have a we have a facility where we do store all of those cans but that was that's another constraint for a small brewer where they don't need that many cans they can't store them especially again we are in the bay area we are in the bay area so it's it's interesting because you're you're solving these these problems and helping make these these small businesses be able to to flourish which is great interesting yeah that's a nice uh it's a good business model um so Let's talk about Indiegogo, and for everyone on the who's listening, you know, I brought Kate on because I really wanted to learn more about Indiegogo. I mean, I've heard lots about the uh, crowdfunding platforms, but uh, wanted to kind of have Kate walk us through like how it works and what are the best ways to use it, and um, and hear some more uh, success stories. So, because um, it's definitely the future for fundraising for products and technologies and music and art, which we'll talk about. So first, Kate, you're the senior director of Out- tech outreach. Um, uh, so what what exactly is your role at Indiegogo? And then on top of that, um, what can you kind of describe Indiegogo to, for everyone out there? Definitely. So Indiegogo uh, is the world's largest crowdfunding platform that empowers entrepreneurs to take their ideas to market. And so what that means is that you so you you have an idea you have a product you have a film you have music that you would like to bring to the world and it is you you are able to 
through telling the story, like by posting a video and having a pitch that describes who you are, what you're doing, why it's important, and what people can expect. That, and then offering, oftentimes offering something in exchange for a contribution, then people will contribute money. And they'll help you, they'll not only contribute money to help you build and, and create whatever you are seeking to create, but that, then they also become your community. They also become your evangelists. And it's this, it opens you up to this wonderful engineered serendipity where you are telling your story in this authentic way and you are connecting with the people who care. And these wonderful things happen like it did for the Kanban where, again, we got featured in a major publication and it helped to get the visibility of an investor in the space where those are things that we, on our own, it would have been very, very difficult. It would have taken a much longer time. So that's that's a, a, the core of Indiegogo. And for me, what my role is as a senior director of outreach is that I'm here to, I, I see my role as, edu- as educating and inspiring people to best use our platform. And so every day is different, but every day is the same. I do a lot of public speaking where, so it's evangelism where I do a lot of public speaking. I, I do interviews like this. Uh, I also do, I focus on education. So I do a lot of guest lecturing and teach workshops. And I also empower by working one-on-one with people who are launching product-based campaigns. So Every day is, is pretty interesting because I get to meet tons of people who are making amazing things happen. Nice. And so walk us through, if somebody has a great idea for technology, let's say they have a microwave and it's going to be like the next generation microwave is really smart. Whoa. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's actually a pretty good idea. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, somebody, yeah. should, somebody should be working on happen. that. Yeah, somebody should be working on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, how, you know, what wh- what would you suggest as the steps to like start uh, getting on Indiegogo, and uh, what what should they do before they even get launch their campaign, um, and what at what stage of product development should they be at? So with Indiegogo, you can get started at any point, whether it's an idea or at is that you already have a prototype or it's in production. What I would recommend is, one, setting expectations where, and also being honest about where you are in the product development pipeline. So if you were to come to Indiegogo and you just have an idea, being honest to say that this is just an idea and that people are helping you to fund the your first prototype and just expect that that will likely raise lower amounts of money than if you do already have a working prototype or, or, more, or if it's more developed. I oftentimes encourage entrepreneurs to come to Indiegogo after they do have a working prototype because it's what you are doing or through Indiegogo, what you're setting out to do is encourage people to, to believe in you and to help you to make something happen. And, and it's, and it's by the story, by the virtue of them, them hearing your story and, and seeing your product but then they they are funding you and voting with their dollars to say they want to see whatever you're making in the world. So the more that you can do to make them feel secure in making that that taking that small risk, then the better. And also because when you have a working prototype, that oftentimes 
you can get it in people's hands. They can experience it, and something magical happens when somebody is able huh. to hold the product in their hand, and they're able to imagine the possibilities with it. Also, press likes to cover. To press typically covers only after you have a working prototype because they want to make sure that they are doing justice to their readers. So, so as you're as you're doing your campaign, keeping that in mind as well, where you want again to inspire trust and inspire people's belief in you and your abilities. So, everything that you can do to do that, including having great social media presence and building that before you launch, having a great email list and building that before you launch. We see that campaigns that have, uh, like that campaigns, uh, the email is the highest uh, conversion out of any any media that you have. So the better email list that you have will will really set you up for success. And at, at Indiegogo, we actually have a tool called the Coming Soon functionality so before you launch, you can announce to the world that your product will be coming soon. You can start collecting emails through that mechanism. And what that allows you to do is, again, build that list so you launch with momentum. And we see that campaigns that raise 50% of their goal within the first 48 hours raise on average 47% more money. So the more that you can do to launch with momentum, the better. And and how how should people kind of build that email list you have it sounds like you have a nice tool but what does it make sense to reach out to media um or how else could they uh kind of get people to sign up so there's a few ways uh i would what some people do is to have facebook ads or do digital advertising they also have if they were to sign up for an event to demo at an event then they would have a sign up they would have a an email sign up on their website or an email capture. So if you, as you're building your website, ensure that you have an email capture on it. Um, having people come, like a lot of, for me, what I really like is that one-on-one interaction. So I really like when people demo beforehand. I really like when, or sending a, a notice out to your network to say that this is coming and they should sign up for your to, to have the latest and greatest. And that goes really far. That's also why having a team is so important to your success, that having more people who are working on, on what you're building, then that helps to create a network effect where your your reach is so much farther than it's just you alone. Huh, that makes sense. And having a team is important. Yeah, and, and can you give a feel for some of the more successful campaigns just so people understand the the potential you know, dollar value that you can raise that ha- well, that has been raised. Of course, this isn't true for everyone, but uh, at least the, the potential. Yeah, we've been so, uh, it, it's been amazing because to watch people raise multi-million dollars through Indiegogo. So our most funded product or most funded campaign on Indiegogo is called Low Hive. And it allows anybody to become a beekeeper and in a, in a simple way where you can just tap the honey. And it raised over $12 million. And that was a team out of Australia. And they had this worldwide reach because you get a worldwide reach with Indiegogo. And we're able to, to make an impact also on, on the bee population, which is something that a lot of people that, that a lot of people are concerned about. So helping people to, to take action was really great for them another really highly funded campaign that i really liked was called code.org 
So Code.org wanted to bring, raised over $5 million and wanted to bring coding to more parts of the world and had, had high, high visibility backers, including Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates. Who, who actually contributed to the campaign to, to help it raise over $5 million. So people raise a lot of money for a <laughs> lot of different things. That is a lot of money. And, uh, I mean, you know, do you know what more what, what's more of an average amount a company uh, that's raised or is, is it highly variable? Yeah, it's high. It, it really varies. So what we see is we see campaigns that raise just a few thousand dollars, and then I would say I, I would say that we see a lot of campaigns in the about twenty five thousand dollar range, okay. like twenty five to fifty thousand dollar range. And what's most important while you're you're rate you're you're launching a campaign is something we talked about on Monday is that every great campaign gets boiled down to three uh three core tenants that make it a great campaign. So the first is building an engaging pitch. So if you look at any Indiegogo campaign or any crowdfunding campaign, it gets broken down the same components where you have to have a great video and you have a pitch text that has images and that tells a story and, and communicates who you are and what you're setting out to do and what the problem is and why you're the team to solve it. Uh, also, you set your goal amount. So how much do you need to raise? Setting a reasonable goal amount is highly, highly key because you want to, again, you want to raise that goal as quickly as possible. So then it helps people to, to believe in what you're building. And also you put together your perks. So first is building an engaging pitch. The second is connect with an audience that cares. So knowing who those people are who are most passionate about what you're building, um, whether it be a mail or a, a LinkedIn group or a Reddit thread, who will be most interested in what you're building and, and knowing how to reach them. And then third is proactive communication. So this happens before the campaign and then throughout. We recommend for anybody who's launching a campaign to take around six to eight weeks to plan it. And so knowing how, what is their press outreach plan? What's their social media plan? What's their update plan? Because the more that you can plan before you go live, the more than just during the campaign, you can react to the amazing opportunities that, that come to you. So, so what if a um, company comes to Indiegogo and they, they know they need to raise 500000 to take their prototype and put it into production or maybe even more? And, but they're like, well, to put down $500,000 is the goal is a lot of money. But what if they put down – do companies – would they put down $50,000 hoping they raise more but knowing that they probably won't raise 500000 What's the customer – how do the customers look at that? I mean like, well – they, we might raise the full amount of money on Indiegogo, but they still need to raise a lot more money. How does uh, that play out? And that's a that's definitely a balance that entrepreneurs have to face, especially making products because they are really expensive. So what I recommend to entrepreneurs, especially those that are making complicated products, are knowing where. So having doing some scenario planning outright, like if this was the minimum, like what if so 
doing the financial modeling, if you raise less than your goal on Indiegogo, what happens? If you raise your goal on Indiegogo, what happens? If you super exceed your goal, what happens? So having those contingency plans in place beforehand where you know that you're going to need to seek outside investment or how is that going to affect you if you don't? And then that can help you as you're coming up with your strategies so you can you can best know how to how to pivot and what to how to how to move forward. Because at the end of the day you've you've gotten thousands of people all really excited about what you're building and they have a certain expectation because they have taken a risk on you. They've they voted with their dollars because they want to see this happen, and then you have taken that money. So there's a responsibility there, and it's important that that to treat it as a responsibility, and that anything that you say you can fulfill, that you do fulfill. So, so having having those plans in place beforehand is really important to know if you reach your goal or or if you don't reach your goal or if you don't if you have a if you really need five hundred thousand um, dollars, how are you going to get there in order to to make your product happen? Because at the end of the day, you you do have a community of people who is really excited about what you created, so you want you want to keep those customers yeah. happy. And they, right, and they trust you. And of course, we've heard about some exactly. campaigns where maybe the the companies didn't fulfill their obligations, and that's a sad thing. And I mean, that's life. But uh, no, that's a good. Uh, that's good advice. Um, there was one campaign, um, speaking of, I can't remember what the actual campaign name is, but so they created a stress bracelet where it could help you better manage stress. Yeah. And they weren't able to, and I, and I love the way that they handled this. Um, they weren't able to, they didn't raise enough money to ultimately create that product, but they they recognized their obligation and their responsibility, and so they wrote an email to all their backers and giving them three options that either they could get a, a like a comparable product from another manufacturer that they had a relationship with, or they could get a refund, or they could just give the money to the company so then it could continue to to try to make new products. That's and cool. I just I love that. I love that that was how they treated it, where they they were very upfront about where they were. They were very upfront about what their the snags that they hit were, and they they honored their their customers and and helped them to reach a resolution that everyone have a have a solution for everyone where they would be happy. Interesting. That, yeah, that's a that's a good example. Do you know how it turned out for them, or what type of response they got? Um, they got a really great response, and and I mean, I was one of the backers of their campaign, and oh. it was it was great because you felt honored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and respected. Of, yep. Exactly, and instead of them them, the the worst thing to do in the case where someone isn't able to fulfill is to go silent, because that just creates. It creates a bad situation. That's always a problem. So, That's always a problem. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So be communicative. Don't hide. Be honest and and respectful and recognize that that this is a visible way of raising money and it's a visible way of building community and to to be respectful of that and, and it will take you much farther. 
And and what if uh, with my microwave idea, what if it's going to cost initially yeah. a couple thousand dollars because it's a really nice microwave? It'll detect lots of stuff. And so you know, most people aren't going to probably necessarily contribute two thousand dollars. How with people with big ticket items, how should they structure kind of the reward systems, or what are some ideas they could use for? smaller rewards so somebody could just contribute $25 or $100 definitely so one thing to do is maybe maybe because people will likely they they want to see that microwave technology in the world and maybe they don't want one in their own kitchen because they have like looking at my counters and like where to put a microwave <laughs> um but I do want that technology in the world so giving people a lower price perk like an entry-level perk where it is like twenty five dollars, and that gives them that gives them access to a webinar, or that gives them stickers, or or something else where they can feel that pride. So, so people contribute to Indiegogo campaigns and crowdfunding campaigns for one of three reasons. First is the person or the organization behind it. So maybe they really like you, Dave, and they really like Flyover Lab. They love listening to your show, and so they want to support you, and they love that they have this opportunity to support you. Uh, second is the perks, the thing that they're getting in exchange for a contribution. Maybe they really want the microwave. Maybe they really want the dinner for two with you that you'll cook in the microwave, uh, et cetera. And then third is the passion in participating and the pride in participating. And so maybe they really want to see a new microwave in the world. And they've been looking, they've been waiting for someone to come up with a new technology. And they're so excited that it wasn't a big company that's doing it, but they can support an independent entrepreneur. So they want to support it. And so because people contribute for one of three reasons, you want to one or more of those three reasons, you want to give them, you want to give them opportunities to contribute at their level. So Again, maybe the entry level, like $25, which is the most popular perk, um, having something like stickers. And then um, $100, so $100 is, is the second most popular perk, so maybe there's a there's something that you offer at that point. Uh, what we've also seen for higher price perks, for, for campaigns that are centered on higher price perks, is offering a half pay half now, pay half on delivery model. So we saw a campaign, Scully Systems, uh, which created a heads-up display motorcycle helmet that gives that is safer for motorcyclists as well as gives them more visibility into what's going on behind them. Um, so their price point was over $500, and so they gave people the opportunity to contribute half during the campaign and then half later. And that opened them up to a whole new market of people because what we've seen is because there's there's like I think it's two hundred and forty nine dollars is the is the price point where people then have a hesitation or where you had to check with a spouse oftentimes or et cetera, et cetera. And so so having a price point that is lower than two forty nine or two forty nine or lower is is a good thing because then people feel like it's more accessible. So giving people an option where they can contribute a lower amount would go would make it much easier make it make it a much easier pill for them to swallow. Um, yeah, those price points are helpful to. I didn't know that about the two forty nine and the twenty five. That's helpful. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and someone, when a campaigner like did the research about what the 
because they're like, oh, what should we set our price point for our product? Two forty nine is the uh, I think it was like a Harvard study of uh. what's the what's the last impulse buy price, and it's two forty nine. Interesting, interesting. Okay, um, and what about you know a lot of the big successful campaigns have been more business to consumer. Uh, what about business to business and like the can the Kanban was business to business. Uh, you know, what would you suggest for people with more of that business to business product? Does it make sense? What should their expectations be versus uh more of the BDC folks? So it's really easy for it's easier for a consumer to understand what they're getting from the campaign when it's B two C. And by having a B2B campaign, I would I would just encourage people, and this also goes for software, where setting lower expectations, those campaigns typically do raise, they, they don't have the, the raises of millions of dollars. They're typically around the $25,000 or less range. And so as you're running those campaigns, having that as your expectation will be much better and using it more as a piece of marketing collateral where you're getting your name out, similar to how I described the campaign, where it's getting your name out, making sure the right people are talking about you, making sure the right people know about you, and that you're telling your story in a way that's easily digestible and understandable, um, that would that would be a good approach for those types of, of businesses. Okay. And... And like you guys, it's kind of there's a, a a network effect too because you've pulled together lots of different people from around the world, and so like I know people, in, innovation people at different companies are always scanning the you know, yeah go go and looking for a potential uh, um, people to partner with or ideas, and so it's and investors too, so it could be a, a funding source, partnering source, so it's a yeah even just beyond the yeah. the cash. Interesting enough, so there's a there's this maker space called Tech Shop, and so Tech Shop launched a campaign a few years ago, and they were setting us to raise two hundred fifty thousand dollars to get more free memberships to veterans and to get more services for veterans. And they, like you said, um, there's a lot of people. So Indiegogo has fifteen million unique page views a month from all over the world. And there's a lot of people who do look at Indiegogo as a place of, as a source of innovation and an inspiration. So they saw that there is an, an executive from Intel that saw the campaign on Indiegogo and they made a significant contribution towards the tech shop campaign as a result of seeing it on the platform. Wow. So there's so many people who are looking. And again, it's that engineered serendipity where you're getting to visibility to the people who are are naturally going to be talking about you interesting no that's a good story and uh we're we're coming close to the end here but not quite um who you guys recently well i don't know how recent it is but you launched the indiegogo enterprise uh can you tell us a little bit about that Definitely. So we launched this at CES this year, which is the Consumer Electronics Show, um, in January. Okay. And we are seeing that there is, so again, like you mentioned, there are just a ton of large companies looking to better support startups and entrepreneurs and looking to connect with them. And since Indiegogo is such a natural place for innovation, um, there's just 
there are more and more large Fortune 100 companies that are looking to to tap into that community. So one, the latest example is Triscuit, who is looking to support food and beverage entrepreneurs. Uh, and so they had a, a flash funding day a few weeks ago where they had $250,000 and then they contributed a small, they made significant like $5,000 or more contributions to 55 different campaigns. And it's just incredible. People were writing all day to ask us, like, is this, did, is there, is this a fluke? <laughs> like, did something happen? And, and we got to tell them, no, you're just, you were selected by Triscuit. So that's one example of an, of an enterprise campaign. That's, that's awesome. uh, another is <laughs> exactly, it's just like our whole, our whole team was, was exchanging emails all day about, the great emails that our happiness team, our customer support happiness team was receiving. And it just, it reminds us of the good that we're, we're making happen in the world. So, and so for example, there's another there. So because products you're having this almost people, uh, the new type of focus group is on Indiegogo. So GE launched a campaign called the first build campaign called the Opal Ice Maker. So it was making nugget ice and it's a product that may not be made by GE. It's a nugget ice maker that seems like a product that, that people not, it wouldn't be a natural product that people would think that they would want. And they raised over $2 million on Indiegogo. So they were able to see that there was a market for nugget ice and I, I love that as a sustainability person, somebody who cares about the environment and, and making products that people want, that people can, again, they can they can vote with their dollars that this is the type of product that they want, this is the type of product they want to see in the world, and hopefully that results in, in less waste, less products that go into landfills or are are just end up on a shelf and never go anywhere. That's right. The... the, the... As we said last time, the the ultimate market research, which is uh you know because people get to vote with their dollars instead of just a focus yeah. group. So yeah, it's definitely yeah. the future of uh, new products and technologies. And uh, very curious to see how it uh, turns out. You know, over the next five years, ten years, should be grow even more and more. Um, so we're almost near the end. But two uh, more personal questions. Um, since you've uh, canned a lot of beer. What's your uh, favorite place to drink beer in Chicago? Uh, well, right now, <laughs> um, Beguile Brewery is right around the corner from where I live. And so it's an amazing brewery that is locally owned here in Chicago and serves fantastic beer and is very community center or community focused and and family friendly and dog friendly and you can bring in food and hang out there and play games. So I would, I, you can find me and my boyfriend and our, our dogs <laughs> Buckley there um, probably once a week because it's just such a nice place to hang out and, and, and relax. And, is that, I would, and oh, and they have ski ball too. Hey, oh, wow. Is, is that called the, the dial brewery? Beguile, so B E G Y L E. Oh, Beguile, so oh, yeah. gotcha. Cool. All right, that makes more. That makes more sense. 
And uh, <laughs> we should like wait a minute. Yes, and then the the last question is uh, what what's uh, been one of your favorite Indiegogo campaigns? So one of my favorite Indiegogo campaigns is it's called CRISPR Walk and Rex, and it was one of the first campaigns that launched when I started at Indiegogo. And so it was uh, it was a man in New York who wanted to erect a giant statue with that was a t-rex body with the face of christopher walken on it why not and (laughs) and exactly and it was it was successfully funded he created christopher walken rex and one of the perks which is the perks that i contributed to was to have him draw a t-rex with your face on it and (laughs) you know it's an amazing perk that's a perfect way to end um yeah i mean what do you what you guys are doing is just really interesting for the, well, the entrepreneurial community, the artist community and the foodie community, so many different, you know, it touched so many different uh, aspects and people's lives. So it's a uh, cool what you're doing and you're quite a good spokesperson. So we appreciate you uh, coming on the show and telling us a little bit more about what you do and Indiegogo. And hopefully some of the listeners will uh, uh, launch some uh, big products on Indiegogo in the future. I hope so, and get out and and make something. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, thanks, Kate, and thanks, everyone, for uh, coming on the show. Thank you. All right. Bye, everyone.